Here we go on Monday's Law and Gospel on this October the 24th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're getting ready for this coming Sunday, which is Reformation Day, on which it will be observed. Readings from Revelation 14, Romans 3, and John chapter 8. And so we're kind of looking forward to this. Uh, Before I begin, we are uh, putting together a second edition of a book that a lot of you have ordered, namely Prophecies of the Old Testament Fulfilled in the New Testament about Jesus Christ. It's the same book, but it's available at $15 each or two for 25 or three or more for $10 each. Simply send me an email requesting how many you want. Don't send any money. We'll send you the booklet and a bill inside and you send it to Law and Gospel at lawandgospel101.com. All right. What we're going to look at is probably one of the best readings for Reformation Day, Romans 3, 19 to 28. Now, you know that the name of this program is Law and Gospel. Law and Gospel refers to the main teachings in the scripture about the law and also about the gospel. And to confuse the two or to commingle them is an error. C.F.W. Walther did a series of lectures showing 22 ways in which pastors mess up preaching law and gospel. Now, we're putting out a free newsletter that you can receive simply by emailing me at the same address and asking your name to be put on the free newsletter. And it will have information about law and gospel on it. So Romans 3, 19 to 28. 19 says, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. Now, that's the English translation. But as I have been making a point recently, it is important for a pastor to interpret the English, not just to tell you what the original Greek or the Hebrew or the Aramaic says in the Bible. What does it mean to those who are under the law? Well, think about a teenager who just doesn't like his father or mother. They are telling him what to do, when to do it, when to be home, who to be with, and they feel they have no freedom at all. They would say, 
boy, I'm under the law of my parents. And that's what it means to be under the law, that you have no choice but to obey the law if you want to get right with your parents. Now, that is an understanding of being under the law in regard to God. But that is not true. You cannot get right with God by being under the law. In other words, every mouth will be stopped and the whole world will be held accountable to God. Why? Because there is nobody who is able to obey God's law perfectly. And therefore, we are held accountable to God. And our mouth is stopped, so we cannot boast about it. That's clear from the Ephesians passage. We're saved by grace, through faith, non-account of the law, lest anyone should boast. So, Every other religion in the world outside of Christianity, people are able to boast that they're keeping the law of God and therefore they feel that they can be saved. The lesson that we had from last week was very interesting. The Pharisee and the publican. The Pharisee thanked God that he wasn't like other people. He was not a sinner, especially like that tax collector. Well, the problem is he is a sinner, just like everybody else. We all fall short of the glory of God. So no boasting is permitted by keeping the law and getting right with God. You cannot earn your way into God's favor. You have to receive God's favor, that is his grace, as a gift. Verse 20 is really clear. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Now, as soon as you read that, you wonder, well, what's the purpose of the law? Because, for example, parents have laws. They have rules. Be home at such and such a time for dinner. Go to sleep at such and such a time. Uh, wake up, get dressed, have breakfast, get ready for school. There's a whole set of laws. But does that make you justified in the sight of your parents? In other words, by doing those rules that the parents give you, does that make you a child of your parents? No, it does not. It instead is got another reason. And that is also found in verse 20. Since through the law comes knowledge of sin. You see, if I didn't realize that hurting someone by thought, word, or deed is a breaking of the fifth commandment, I wouldn't need the law's commandment. But by hearing 
such as in the Sermon on the Mount, that not only hurting someone by a deed, but speaking ill of them or thinking bad thoughts towards them also breaks that commandment. I then come to a knowledge of what sin is. The law, therefore, helps you to understand what sin is. And why is that important? Well, think of going out to a restaurant. Why do you go to a restaurant? Because you feel hungry. Nobody looks forward to going to a restaurant after they have been to one where they can eat all that they want at a buffet table. And as you walk out of the buffet, your friend says, well, let's go to McDonald's and get a double cheeseburger, a milkshake, and a french fry. That just doesn't feel appetizing because you are filled from the buffet meal. So also the law shows that you are missing something, and that is missing the righteousness that God looks forward to seeing in you. And you are therefore not justified in the sight of God through obedience to the law, because the law brings the knowledge of sin. Well, then how do you get righteous? This is verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Now, that's a big distinction. The law and the prophets, and that's talking about the books of the Old Testament, just like we talk about the New Testament, the gospel and the epistles. It says that the law of the Old Testament, the books of Moses and the books of the prophets bear witness to the fact that the righteousness of God is manifested. That means it becomes evident apart from your obedience to the law. And what is that righteousness? It's a righteousness of God received through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So if you believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior, that he died on the cross, that he paid for your sins, that by his blood, your blood will be saved, then you are righteous in God's sight. Therefore, in Christianity, unlike every other religion in the world, you are not saved by works, but through faith. Now, there are works that have saved you, but it's not your works. It is the works of Jesus Christ. It goes on in verse 22 and following. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. 
Now, why is there no distinction between people? It doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or an unbeliever. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Greek word for sin kind of means you're shooting at a target. You not only miss the center of the target, you miss the whole target. Your arrow falls short of the target, and therefore you are short of the glory of God because you have sinned. So then how are you justified? You aren't justified by your works, but verse 24, and you are justified by his grace as a gift. This is so critical that in Christianity, God's grace, which means he does not hold you accountable for your sin, that he gives you what you do not deserve, namely the forgiveness of sins, that that is a gift. And through that, you receive the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, the word redemption would refer to a slave that was able to pay for his freedom. He was no longer, therefore, considered a slave. And that's what Jesus Christ did. He paid for your freedom. Now, verse 25 puts it this way. Whom God the Father put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Now, that's a big word, propitiation. What it means is somebody takes your punishment. He dies on the cross so you will not die eternally in hell. And therefore, by his blood, you receive redemption by faith. Now, all this is to show not that you're righteous, but it is to show God's righteousness. And that's what verse 25 is talking about to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, that means in his patience, he had passed over former sins. Now, what does that remind you of? The Passover. Yes, when the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt, the angel of death came to their homes, and if there was blood of a lamb that had been sacrificed and put over the doorway of the home, then the angel of death would pass over, and that was a celebration that the Jews continued, the Passover. He had passed over former sins, and therefore, all of this work done by Jesus Christ, it was to show the righteousness of God at the present time. This is verse 26. So that God 
might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. You see, God could not just save you just by saying, oh, you're saved. No, he had to do it in a just way. Being a just God, somebody had to be held accountable for your sin. In God's justice, he made himself accountable for your sin. Reminds me of stories you read like during the French Revolution where a young man was to be executed and his girlfriend was really upset. Well, what happened? Another young man who loved her took the place of the man that she loved and was executed in his place. He became the justifier of that individual so she could have her husband as she wished. And this is what Christ has done for us. He became the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. That's how Christianity works. God dies on the cross for your sins. He does that because he is a just God. To be a just God would mean that a person gets what they deserve. But we don't get the punishment. Jesus takes it upon himself. And that's why he is the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So then we return in verse 27 to what verse 19 was talking about, that every mouth may be stopped. Remember, we were saying that that means that people cannot boast of being self-righteous. So verse 27 asks a question. Then what becomes of our boasting? And Paul explains, it is excluded. But by what kind of law, does he ask, is it excluded? Is it excluded by a law of works? No, but instead it is excluded by the law of faith. We trust the promises of Jesus Christ. And when you trust the promises, you don't boast about that which is a gift. Your parents, when you were young, may tell you on Friday, well, Saturday, we're going to go visit McDonald's and you can have whatever you want to eat. Now, you don't on Monday tell people that you are boasting about going to McDonald's because it was not something that you did. It is something that was given to you. It was a gift from your parents. And so your boasting is excluded by your trust in the promises of your parents. And therefore, in verse 28, Paul makes it a great summary. For we hold 
that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. You don't find that teaching in any other religion in the world where you simply trust a promise from God. In fact, Muslims will tell you that Allah gives no assurance of your salvation. In Christianity, you can be assured of salvation by the promises you receive in the sacrament of holy baptism. But there is no way in the Muslim religion or any other religion where you can be assured that you are saved. Instead, salvation in Christianity is a gift from God. And why does he give you that gift? This is the question which has no answer in the scripture. Namely, why do some receive the gift of faith and others do not? God has an answer to that. He hasn't revealed it in Holy Scripture. We will find out that answer when we get to heaven, as we will find out many answers. But the thing to really be thinking about is you are saved by the grace of God, and he has decided that through faith you have come into a right relationship with God. Martin Luther brought that teaching to the forefront of theology in his day. For that, he was pursued because he was under the ban. People could kill him, but he was able to escape where at the Wartburg Castle, he wrote a translation of the Bible. And that was very important. So people could read in the German what the meaning of the Hebrew, the Greek, and the Aramaic was. So we believe in the solas of the Reformation. The word sola means alone or only. We are saved only by God's grace. We are saved only through faith. We are saved by Jesus Christ alone. And one of the most important ones is that we're saved alone by Holy Scripture. This is why it is so important to bring a child up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that is done by parents teaching the children what the Bible has to say. And what the Bible has to say, yes, it teaches law, but not as a way of salvation, but rather as a way of you becoming aware of what is the will of God. The book of Proverbs is a wonderful book written by Solomon under inspiration of the Holy Spirit to give you insight as to how God thinks concerning his will. And what you find in the book of Proverbs 
is that only believers are able to follow the will of God. As we said recently, a person is not able to do a good work until they come to faith in Jesus Christ. Because God measures good works, not by the deed, the thought, or the word, but by the motivation. So two people can apparently do the same good work, like visiting a friend in the hospital. Yet the believer does it out of his love for Jesus Christ. The unbeliever has a selfish reason for doing it either because he wants to make himself look good or that he feels good about himself or some such selfish reason. How many times have you heard when you ask someone to do something for you, they look at you and say, well, what's in it for me? That's the motivation of a believer, unbeliever, namely figuring out What's in it for me? What do I get out of doing this good work? And that's why a truly good work cannot be boasted of. This is the teaching of the Reformation. Now, a lot of people may not have all the insights that we have given during this broadcast on the Reformation. But that is something you can learn, and it is taught by parents to children or by pastors to congregations. But if you believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he paid the cost that should have been your cost, then heaven is your home. That's a promise particularly in the sacrament of baptism. For he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. And that's what's important about the Lord's Supper, because the Lord's Supper is given for the forgiveness of your sins. Reformation Day, a tremendous holy day in the Holy Christian Church. And tomorrow we'll take a look at the hymn, How Firm a Foundation, O Saints of the Lord, the foundation of our salvation and justification. Until then, I'm Tom Baker. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.